and welcome to the Agri-Food Podcast. I'm Natasha Foote. And I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Euactiv's Agri-Food News team. So today we're going to talk about vices. Vices? Yeah. Gosh, that's got interesting quickly. Don't, don't know if our listeners know about it, but there's um, a saying in my native language, which is Italian. I, I know my <laughs> accent is deceptive. <laughs> we could never have guessed. I'm not British. <laughs> I'm Italian. Oh, you've really just given away the game now, Gerardo. I mean, w- one can be tricked. West Midlands, Scotland, Greater London. No, it's Puglia, Italy. Anyway, um, we say this this proverb, which is Bacchus, tobacco, and Venus reduce a man to ashes. It sounds better in, in Italian, eh? it's because there's, there's wow. the rhyme, yeah, what which does that mean? basically means that uh, drinking, which is basically represented by Bacchus, the, the, the Roman god of uh, wine, uh, smoking, so again, tobacco, and uh, and last, so Venus, uh, Venus is the Roman goddess for of love. Mm-hmm. Make your life unhealthy, let's say like this. So uh, it seems such a coincidence, but the EU Cancer Plan, which was unveiled this week, address all these vices, but last. Mm. But <laughs> we can replace last with uh, with a steak or a burger or some prosciutto because uh, red and processed meat were included in the plan although with the softer stance compared to the initial draft that we've seen last week. Actually, there's no such a Roman goddess for me. I was I mean, about there, to there ask. Was, <laughs> there was one for, for wild animals, like, you okay. know, hunting. Diana. Okay, I mean, let's go for was, that one then. Diana, we'll replace. There was a goddess for agricultural products, uh, but, hmm. I mean, it, it was more about harvest, soil fertility, and so, something that is actually needed, but not for our purposes. Anyway, uh, why I am delirious about uh, about me, Tash. Yeah, why? <laughs> do do yeah, tell. <laughs> no, 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 explain, explain. Ah, well, we're talking about me because, I mean, what, probably one of the most contentious parts of the, uh, the beating cancer plan, which was unveiled this week, was to do with phasing out the promotion of red and processed meat in um, agricultural promotional policy. So we did speak about this actually in the podcast last week. We were basing everything we were saying off of a draft version of the plan. And now this plan has been actually unveiled. So we can say um, what what exactly is in it and what uh, repercussions are for the agri-food sector. There was a reference in the draft of the plan about phasing out promotion of foods linked with cancer risks. And they highlighted red and processed meat. Um, And actually the reference to meat has been slightly adjusted in the actual final version, which was unveiled this week, to say that it has to be in line with the shift to a more plant-based diet with less red and processed meat and other foods linked to cancer risks. Um, So this is still pretty interesting, the effect this will have on the agri-food sector and on the promotional campaign. Because uh, if I'm not mistaken, actually the the promotional campaign, um, which promotes agri-food products and quality schemes um, around the world, a pretty significant proportion of that is actually linked with meat and meat products, around about a quarter of the amount of money that's spent on EU promotional um, campaigns. Yeah, yeah we, we got we got this figure from uh, um, parliamentary questions that uh, mm. 
a socialist. No, she's no longer socialist. She's green now. Silvia Spurek. Mm. She filed this parliamentary question to DGR, to Commissioner Wojciechowski, Agriculture Commissioner, and they gave this figure you were mentioned. So basically, 138.7 million have been spent between uh, 2016 and 2019. It's not a small sum. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a quarter of the total mm. uh, of the entire EU promotion policy. So, I mean, the use promotion policy it was established in a, regu- in, in a specific regulation in 2014, and, and it basically consists in this campaign mm. that, that uh, aimed at um, enhancing the competitiveness of the agricultural sector, both in the single market, but also in third countries. So, uh, as you said, agri-food products, quality schemes are promoted in these um, annual work programs, um, the commission is doing, I mean, every every year they're doing a consultation with stakeholders. Uh, the problem is that after the, the, the farm to fork strategy, uh, you remember the flagship food policy I of the commission. Remember. Yes, vaguely. Yeah. <laughs> and um, this strategy basically is promoting, there's a reference in, in uh, increasing the plant-based diets, let's oh, say. Mm-hmm. But basically the, the European Commission is... Um, criticized because on one side they support the consumption of meat products through these uh, promotional policy and on the other side they 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 back this shift toward more plant-based diets and also they criticize because most of these uh, uh, campaign are, are bordering on opening uh, advertising meat consumption. So uh, with slogan like the, the famous one, uh, become uh, mm. beefitarian, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, the, 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 there's one project that the name of this project is Pork Lovers. Pork so, Lovers. There you go. Yeah. There's, your, there's your last. Yeah. <laughs> but even in the farm to fork strategy, there was a last minute change, right? Yeah. Well, it is interesting. There's two two themes of you know, the draft coming and, and having quite a strong stance on meat, um, which is a really sensitive topic, as you've said. Um, and then the final version kind of softening their stance. And, you know, this reference to stop simulating production or consumption of meat didn't make it to the final version of the farm to fork strategy. As you said, it kind of moved into um, how to stimulate sustainable consumption um, and also uh, encourage plant-based diet. And so it's exactly the same theme here with the uh, with the cancer plan here and the draft kind of being quite strong on it and the final version being a little bit softer on this and just also an additional remark because i mean um compared to what happened in the in the farm to fork strategy in that case we were talking about meat consumption and also increasing the consumption of plant-based products in this case, uh, there's a link with something like cancer, so um, which is debated uh, by the scientific community. There was this uh, panel uh, of the International Agency of uh, for Research on Cancer, IARC, which is a body of the WHO, um, that uh, stated in in an evaluation uh, that consumption of red meat is probably carcinogenic to humans. And uh, while consumption of processed meat can cause uh, colorectal cancer, but again, 
this evaluation has been criticized by some researchers and even IARC's own experts, uh, and it's still uh, open uh, for the um, scientific debate. There are some, again, professors and, and researchers that are criticizing this stance. So, yeah, it's a bit controversial because, again, it's, it's not about consumption. Uh, but it's about something that, that it's linked to human health. Mm, slightly different angle here. Slightly different things at stake. <laughs> Get it? Got it. Got it. But it wasn't only meat actually in the cancer plan that was that was interesting for the agri-food sector. Is that right, Dorado? I said indeed the uh, vacuous tobacco, which is mm-hmm. well, it's actually yeah, interesting for the agricultural sector too because I mean, yeah, tobacco is is yeah, I mean it's. Uh, it's a crop. It's grown. So uh, um, you're probably referring to alcoholic drinks. Mm-hmm. I am indeed, yeah. If you compare the treatment uh, between uh, tobacco products, which were quite hit by the commission, and alcohol, you might see that they've been treated differently. How so? I mean, tobacco use in general has been uh, considered as a bad thing. And, and, and also the idea is to, um, to adapting the EU control framework to novel products such as uh, e-cigarettes, uh, herbal products for smoking. So the, the, the goal is quite ambitious and it's um, a goal of having fewer than 5% of e-citizens using tobacco by 2030. Contrary to what is provided for tobacco, the commission um, chose to address only harmful alcohol consumption mm. so basically what does that mean exactly i mean over it, this is a question that um some reporters asked i think it's a good one um the the commissioners that were that they were presenting the plan uh, Margaret Skinas, the greek commissioner and health commissioner Selagiakides, and they basically said that uh, for harmful uh consumption they intend uh, and I'm quoting what Skinner said, abuse of alcohol as defined by science, not by Brussels. Uh, so again, it's uh, it's about overuse mm. of uh, alcohol and they want to address this uh, by uh, reviewing uh, the taxation of alcohol, alcoholic beverages, in order to balance the objectives of public revenue and health uh, protection. The other tricky issue related to alcohol is about the labeling uh, because the commission is about to propose a mandatory labeling of ingredients and nutrient content and also health warnings on alcoholic beverages. Again, what for instance Kina said is that the European Union will not ban wine and and they they will not uh, label wine as being something uh, that is toxic. And also, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite Funny because I mean, Margaritis Kinas is, is the commissioner hmm. uh, with a pretty fancy job title, which is basically commissioner in charge of prom- promoting the European way of life. And he basically said that wine is part of, uh, of the European way of life. Certainly part of my way of life. <laughs> yeah. And again, he, he was denying that the EU promotes alcohol, but it's the same um, rationale of uh, meat products. So the eligible products for this promotion uh, programs. Again, the same program of the red meat and processed meat uh, have to come from specific geographical area or they, they have to belong to EU quality schemes and, and, and so on. And again, I mean, there's something tricky also because uh, it's a long-standing issue, the, the issue of alcohol labeling. There was an attempt uh, three years ago 
was one of the first things that I covered when I when I arrived no. at your active, because uh, it was it with the past commission, uh, the, the the former health commissioner uh, Vitenis Andriukaitis opened a dialogue with the industry because of course the, the issue is that basically, for instance, the intake or uh, which kind of uh, because I mean spirits could have intake of alcohol higher. Uh, and they wanted to use a label that consider, you know, a certain quantity of products not super high. While, for instance, uh, wine producers don't have any issue in terms of quantity, no? So it's, it was a bit difficult to uh, put uh, everyone on, on, on the same boat. But they started this dialogue. They presented a, a self-regulatory proposal. Uh, they were asked to present, uh, the industry were asked to present a, a self-regulatory proposal. The commission wasn't that satisfied. And in the end, there was this deadlock. And in the end, uh, they found a partial solution with this memorandum of understanding that they presented, which is basically set up some commitments in terms of energy value and a list of ingredients to appear on on label of spirits and other alcoholic beverage. So what the commission wants to do is to uh, start from this good relationships uh, with the industry and they don't want to undermine the results of what has already been achieved, like the memorandum of understanding. But yes, it's, uh, it's something that could actually lead to an, another discussion, long discussion on what to put on, on this label. Uh, of alcoholic beverages. Another issue was that uh, wine producers uh, were keen to write everything on a label, but on an online label. Mm. So there was like a QR code. Mm -hmm. The future. There's another problem. For instance, consumers that don't have um, a smartphone, Mm. uh, they won't have access to the same amounts of information, no? Definitely. Mm. It's quite tricky. And and uh, again, there's also this issue of uh, tax and regulatory measures because the Association of Italian Wine Growers says that uh, tax and regulatory measures tend to demonize drinking rather than effectively combat alcohol abuse, which is the main uh, uh, goal of the commission. And, and, and in the end, you know, they end up affecting consumers who already drink responsibly. Hmm. Interesting. So in summary, the cancer plan holds quite a lot of interesting Interesting things for the agri-food sector. It targets use of tobacco, overuse of alcohol, and softened its stars on meat. Pretty interesting. And the other interesting news that was happening this week, um, besides the cancer plan, is there's been a lot of discussions on the farm to fork strategy, as it was the uh, the deadline this week actually for the amendments on the farm to fork strategy um, from uh, the parliament. So we spoke with um, the Italian MEP Herbert Dorfman, who is the agricultural coordinator for the EPP party and also the rapporteur on the farm to fork strategy, to hear a little bit more about what's been going on this week, what the amendments might hold for the future of the strategy. Um, and his general take on everything that's happening right now. On Tuesday, there was the deadline for filing the amendments from uh, from the MEPs to the Commission's text. And 2,297 amendments have been filed. That's a huge amount. I mean, you're, you're quite experienced MEP. It's not the first time you, you handle this, uh, you know, such sensitive dossier but like this one. But how to cope with all these amendments? 
Well, we will see. Uh, we uh, I heard the, the number yesterday, uh, but I didn't see these amendments for now. Uh, we need to wait uh, translation service. Uh, I guess a lot of them will be identical, so the number will reduce. But I, I felt from the very beginning that there is a high... Uh, interest in this file, and it is clear that the Farm to Fork strategy covers a lot of interest, coming beginning from farmers to the processing industry to the retailers to the consumers. So uh, it it is a, a, a topic where there are a lot of questions in it, and this triggers clearly a lot of amendment. More than two thousand is a lot. Uh, we will try to deal with it. And just to just to be clear and also to explain a little bit to our listeners, um, so to what extent can these kind of farm to fork targets actually be altered um, as part of this process with these amendments? Well, as you know, this is a strategy and the parliament uh, with this report is not going to change the strategy. The parliament as the council does not have the capacity to do this. The strategy remains as it is. But I think the strategy is not a law, it's a strategy written by the commission. I hope, and um, it needs to be transferred or, or converted into law. At the end of the strategy, you'll find this more than 20 uh, legislative uh, uh, initiatives which, which the Commission is, is proposing. And I think our report uh, should clarify for the Commission for which ideas there is a majority in the Parliament and for which there are different ideas. And so I think our work we are doing now is not that much influencing the strategy we have on the table. It more, should more influence the legal work we have to do as co-legislators in the next years. Yeah, and could you uh, please elaborate a bit more on this uh, um, legal nature of the farm tour? Because, I mean, um, even during the discussion on the common agricultural policy, there's some push from the Commission in terms of uh, starting already implementing these uh, main objectives in the common agricultural policy under discussion right now. So the one that actually uh, will start in uh, uh, 2023 uh, to 2027. So uh, what's the legal nature of the farm to fork? Is this binding? It's, it's more a political commitment? No, it's not binding at all. Uh, the commission, that is not a legal process, I hope here in Brussels. The commission cannot write something without uh, consulting the co-legislators and, uh, and, and consider this law. This is not possible. It is a strategy. It's a, it is a political proposal, maybe also political commitment um, for the next years. And therefore, I strongly oppose uh, also in the debate on the common agriculture policy that uh, on uh, each attempt to um, introduce the figures of the farm to fork strategy into the legal text of the common agriculture policy um, or making a reference on it. I think the common agriculture policy is law and the law cannot make reference to something which is not law. And zooming in a little bit on kind of, we mentioned a few of these kind of more contentious issues in the farm to fork. And one of them is um, the slashing of the pesticide risk and use um, in half. And I wondered if you could give us a, an idea of kind of how the discussion on this um, is evolving and, and what your feeling is on, on what the final position will be on this matter. 
we will see what is the majority in the parliament. But I think the most important thing is if we give the farmers the possibility to reduce substantially the use of chemical products or harmful chemical products because i have a bit the feeling uh, in the farm to fork strategy or even also in the political debate somebody thinks that the farmers they use pesticides because they love uh, to spray pesticides that is not exactly the case uh, the problem is that we have plant pests and the farmers need to, to to have an answer to this and i think the farmers are the first one uh, who are happy if they find alternative solutions. And this must be the big challenge to give the farmers new possibility in their hands to uh, fight uh, uh, plant pests. On this, we have to work. And I think there are possibilities um, with uh, new substances, uh, with new biological uh, agents, with uh, more resistant plants, with new breeding technologies, uh, with, with the use of new techniques like um, like the use of satellites, for example, self-moving moving machines, uh, so precision farming. There are a lot of possibilities, but this we need to we need to support this way and not think that, the, that we can simply say to the farmers use less or use half and have the same the same result. This will not work. And the other tricky issue uh, when it comes to the topics touched by the farm to fork strategy is the proposed um, harmonized and EU-wide uh, food labeling. It's, it's a, a long-standing issue actually at the EU level. So there was a bit of, of a clash even in the parliament and there was also the attempt of the previous EU rotating presidents in Germany uh, to anticipate the work of the Commission and propose something from the Council side. It didn't work in the end, and, and actually the, the attempt uh, failed because of the opposition of, of uh, countries like Italy and Greece. Do you think that the European Parliament could actually bring a, a contribute uh, to the work of uh, the Commission in uh, start thinking of this EU-wide labelling, or you think that actually the clashes in the European Parliament will uh, prevent uh, MEPs to give this contribution? Well, I honestly think we will have a bit the same situation uh, in the in the Parliament as the, as it was in the Council. But overall, I think it's clear that uh, in order to transition to a more sustainable food chain and and uh, more balanced uh, more balanced diet, um, I think the the farm to fork strategy underestimates completely the responsibility of the consumer and it's extremely important to make the, to 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 bring the consumer on board and the consumer needs to understand that it is in his hands to change the things so uh, if the consumer buys organic food we will have more organic production if the consumer buys local food we will have more lo local distribution and so on and so forth and therefore it is important to inform the consumer about what he is going to buy. The problem is that uh, I think we didn't find till now the perfect solution uh, because I honestly think that the Nutri-Score, which is on the table, 
has for sure, for sure also some advantages. It's, it is very simple. It is very understandable. But on the other way around, it's also very, very superficial. And I think if on one side, the, the from the Fox strategy says that we should avoid overprocessed food, it is clear that the system like the, like the Nutri-Score brings to more processed food because the food industry will calculate or will will see clearly what what are the processing methods in order to get a better evaluation on the on the nutri score and they will do that and at the end i think this is we should also reflect a bit on this i think the approach we have in europe and i am aware that a lot of us uh, maybe me included eat too much and not too less but to say that the product is good only because it does not contain calories, so it, it's good only because it does not contain anything, is simply a stupid luxury uh, approach. Um, we eat in order to get to get calories and in order to get um, to get energy, and so the calorie itself is nothing bad. It is bad to, if we eat too many. This is another thing. But uh, to say to the consumer, yes, uh, eat this because this does not contain anything, uh, honestly, to me, it seems quite a, a strange approach. This week, the AgriFood podcast is produced by Euractiv's AgriFood team, Gerardo Fortuna and Natasha Food, together with Euractiv's podcast producer, Evi Chiori. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest agricultural news from the EU. You can also find this podcast on all major streaming platforms, and that includes Amazon, Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. I'm Natasha Foote. Thanks for listening and see you next week.